0: Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. We've got a fantastic guest today, Ben Monas. He is the CEO of FAMA, an AI-based software company that identifies problematic behavior among potential hires and current employees by analyzing publicly available online information. Enterprise HR and talent acquisition leaders use and trust Fama to identify abuse behaviors such as bigotry and harassment that are often missed in the hiring and management process. Ben, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Neil. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Ben, nice to meet you.
2: Ben, as a visionary,
0: what is the story that you would like to bring to the world?
2: I think the big story, and yeah, thanks again for having me on. The big story I'd like to bring to the world is one of uh, human behavior and its effect on business outcomes, Um, specifically how our interactions in the workplace with each other and with our customers are ultimately one of the biggest signifiers and determinants of a company's success or failure rather than and in addition to all things like the product that they build, the market condition, competition, et cetera. So that's a big idea, uh, human behavior impacting business outcomes.
1: So we always talk about people, process, technology, and I always say people is the problem. It sounds like we still have that hurdle. I mean, what are some of the things that people could impact business outcomes? I mean, what are some things that we've seen happen? Yeah,
2: it's a relatively... New field in in terms of research and being able to understand how the way we interact in the workplace can actually have an impact on things like productivity or things like stock price, for example. And it's really research out of Harvard and Cornerstone On Demand from about five years ago, an LA tech company that I'm sure you guys know quite well that came out with a whole bunch of research around how team productivity actually drops around 40% when workers are distracted by bullying or toxic behavior, individual performance dropping even further than that, 60% in toxic work environment. So anecdotally, it makes a lot of sense that if I'm working in an office environment with somebody that says something that's homophobic, misogynistic, racist, or is acting in a way that's intolerant of who I am as a person, I'm not going to be focused in the meeting. I'm not going to be focused on my work. And more generally, I'm not going to be contributing to the company's mission, the company's goals that I'm working for if I'm distracted by this sort of thing. So that's really, you know, what we want to shed light on is the, the low impact, but high probability, excuse me, low probability, but high impact likelihood uh, that that sort of thing is happening inside of your company, identifying it, not necessarily firing somebody because of it, but intervening and taking action before it becomes a, a problem inside of your company.
0: So I think no one would disagree that this is important, right? No one wants to be bullied, as you mentioned sure. before, It's very helpful from a productivity standpoint. And yet the contrarian in me has to think there is an element, it seems to me, of the, the thought police uh, from, from 1984. Where sure. Are we getting to a place where, I think it's our offline activities as well, where we are constantly in surveillance, we're being surveilled and put it that way. Um, and there is a point I think too, and too when we're younger uh, where we, we say stupid things, we say silly things, we try to be funny. Um, sure. What if those things follow us the rest of our lives? How do we sure. balance that need to be productive, to not bully other people, um, to not mistreat them with the idea that we're humans, we make mistakes and uh, we don't wanna get too uh, big brother a if that's an adjective
2: yeah, definitely an adjective. And these are questions that come up all the time. I think any anytime a, a third party is compiling publicly available data about people to potentially inform upon their ability to get a job or their fitness, if you will, for a position at a big company, these questions come up of how is my data being used? How's it being treated? Am I being considered fairly? Is there any unconscious bias that was underwritten into an algorithm? I mean, topics obviously that I'm sure you guys have talked about on this podcast previously. Um, And really, you know, for us, it's one, taking a privacy and consent-based approach, meaning that it's no private information. You don't try and get anything behind a paywall or access information that's not public. Everything happens with the informed consent of a candidate, and they have a chance to challenge those results if they are going to be used uh, in a pre-employment adverse uh, or pre-adverse decision, meaning a company says, hey, we found this on your background, you might not know with the position here's why you get some time to challenge that that's governed by something called the fair credit reporting act and and i think you know you're right michael in the sense that there is this question of what's trailing behind us stuff from when i was younger when i was a kid you know maybe me using profanity online or playing beer pong with a bunch of solo cups in front of me like is that really going to prevent me from getting a job and the answer is no the answer is that the people that are doing talent acquisition, hr, that are running hiring teams and using software like ours are considering all of these extenuating circumstances. In the same way that if they run a background check on you and find out that you got busted at a party on, you know, when you were younger in high school or in college and got a minor in possession of a beer or something like that, when you're 35, 40 years old, no one's going to look at that and say, "Hey, oh, well maybe you shouldn't work at this company uh, because of this infraction that you had." But that said, there there are certain types of behaviors that many companies and consumers have drawn a hard line around, right? Someone promoting hate speech, someone promoting concepts of white nationalism and intolerance online, you know, these are the sorts of things that really do affect people. These are things that really do affect companies. And wars have been fought, you know, countries rising and falling over these exact sorts of topics. So while it's certainly not, I would say, and can totally understand why people immediately feel that guttural reaction of like, oh my gosh, what are you doing with my data? You know, when you take a a privacy first consent-based approach and focus on the things that most people can agree, harassment, threats, abuse, homophobia, et cetera, that are critical towards building a safe and welcoming workplace and a productive workforce. Um, That's really where we draw the line. That's why we don't score. We don't give a thumbs up or a thumbs down a yes or a no. What we do at Bama is really only help highlight the pre-employment behaviors that a customer says that they care about and get out of the way and let them make the decision.
1: I think it's probably an important distinction to say that it's not that, well, I'm going to exclude people that don't agree with the way I think, right? This is looking for what's considered inappropriate behavior, the things that might violate the law, like like bigotry and all that, or sex, you know, sexism or, you know, whatever it might be. Sure. Because we've already seen tons of cases now where we've had key employees that may have tweeted or posted something even like seven, 10 years ago that's now come back out and it's really hit the company, right? you got other employees saying like, I'm uncomfortable with this person. Is this what our company stands for? You know, we're we're looking at, you know, especially Generation Z entering the workforce, where their social impact and their ability to, uh, you know, can not think of the right word here, not not, like approve, but be proud of what their company Hmm. stands for plays a big role in talent management. They're not going to work for some of these companies, right? And so it becomes an interesting dynamic. And I'm sure, Ben, you know, probably pretty well that the companies don't want to get blindsided by this by hiring someone and something comes out after the fact, right?
2: Right. And that's, you know, the the challenge is that it's not as if companies themselves are in a vacuum making these decisions about where do we draw the line. This is a, a cultural shift that's driven not just by companies, but the employees of these companies, you know, to your point, Neil, around, do I want to work at a company? Do I want to sidle up, well, I guess, next in the next Zoom square to this person, right, and work closely? at least remotely with them, but it's also the consumers, you know, of these companies and, you know, the customers of these brands that are looking at the brands that they purchase from and saying, Hey, do I want to go? I used to use the analogy with, with Papa John's, which you guys might remember that story with uh, Papa John, the CEO used a racial slur on a, uh, a call that was made public uh, was summarily fired. And, you know, it began this kind of, big descent for Papa John's in terms of their revenues, their brand image, etc. By the way, they're totally back. One of the best turnarounds I've seen in a long period of time of a company's brand at Great Recovery. But if you think about a consumer in that scenario, they got Papa John's, they got Domino's, they got Pizza Hut, they got three different pizzas that are more or less going to cost the same and taste the same. And all my Domino's lovers out there don't hate me for saying that. I know Domino's fans get crazy about those cine sticks and the thin crust. But you know, are you going to choose the racist pizza? You're going to choose the not racist pizza, right? And that's, I think, the question. You know, in a nutshell, that consumers go through when they're picking the brands that they want to buy from, the things that they want to follow online. Um, and you know, Twitter will get you fired, not just because you posted something, but because the Twitter horde will come and say, "Hey, you know, do we all really want to you know buy from this company, or should we boycott them?" And you've seen plenty of businesses, probably too many to name, where uh, that sort of thing has happened and kind of bubbled over.
0: I can understand what, what you're saying there. Um, and yet a part of me also thinks that the joy of life is looking at our imperfections. So if you think about a show like The Sopranos for a moment, um, we don't watch The Sopranos because these are angels. We watch it because the characters are flawed and they have moments in which they do reveal themselves to have angelic qualities. But at the same time, that's that's what we look for, right? When we go to a comedy show, we go to the comedy show because we want to, to laugh, to have a good time. And oftentimes what makes people laugh isn't uh, the same kind of quality that's going to land a job. So sure. I have to, to wonder um, two things. One, are we, in a sense, sanitizing ourselves, pre- creating a product, and that product is our identity? In a, in a way that's disingenuous where this is the scrub version of me. This is what's palatable to my employer, to the, to the wider public, but who am I at that point? Because I don't have the flaws. Uh, and number two, um, to go back to the earlier question I had mentioned before, I mean, what if we do make a mistake? Um, the, going back to that angelic reference, um, there's such a thing as redemption, right? Sure. How, how can a person redeem themselves who has made a mistake and yet doesn't want to be locked out of this new future?
2: Makes sense. And it's, it's a great question. I think the the answer lies in the fact that people on both sides of the equation are people, where a hiring manager is going to take exactly, as you said, all of those points into context, right? They're not just going to summarily fire somebody and never talk. That's illegal. You actually you can't do that, right? You would have to actually get a copy of the report, a copy of the Facebook post or the Instagram post or a Google result about you. And you're given a chance to explain it. You're given a chance to put into context. That's why the Fair Credit Reporting Act exists. It gives consumers a fair shot, the you know Fair Credit Reporting Act. That's what, where the acronym comes from. So, you know, I, I, I see the perspective on, you know, people should be given another shot. And I'm not saying if you tweeted something bad five years ago or six years ago, no chance do you have a potential for a job in this modern workforce because just like you or just like me or, Pick your hiring manager; they're real people too, and they put things into context, right? And they think about a person's resume, their references, uh, their qualitative and quantitative abilities, and insights that they've gleaned about this person as the whole picture. I would also argue on the other side of it, though, that we are living, and COVID has accelerated it in a, a pretty significant way. But we are living our lives in increasingly digital spaces. I mean, this event right now, Neil and I have built up a relationship we've never even met in person, right? So, you know, this is this continuous kind of digital self that we are engaging with. And many employees this year will be joining companies and they will not meet those people in person potentially until, at least in California, at least until next year, if you're joining a tech company, right? In in our neck of the woods. So, you know, I, I think this question of who we are online and The types of things that we say, certainly it's memorialized in a way like our analog selves are not, and there are risks there, right? And companies who misuse this data or process it or label it, or I would also say score it in a way that's unbecoming of an individual and doesn't consider the full picture or doesn't enable that individual recourse to be able to challenge those results. That's where the problems come up. So It's certainly a gray area, but, you know, I would say that you can't um, take away from the fact that somebody who sees, you know, who's of a certain protected class and someone sees their new coworker saying something on social media that, as you said at the top of the podcast, you know, that makes them feel uncomfortable, that makes them feel isolated. No one wants to work in that bullying and that toxic environment. You can't tell that person, oh, you, you shouldn't feel that, you know, it's just what they said, online right like don't don't worry about that now now there's I think a fine line between looking at adversity and you know your feelings as a proxy for health or not health in your life whether it's mental or physical but you know at the end of the day um, you know we look at this is as, as something where if someone's saying things like you know it when you see it something that's really hurtful or hateful um, that's not the type of behavior you want to bring into you know our corporate community at least that's what our clients
1: True. So is it, is it your clients that really make the distinction, like, I got one candidate and it looks like they got wasted at a college party a couple of years ago versus someone that's right around a Ku Klux Klan rope, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, A couple of extremes here. Is, but yeah, it's really, t-
2: totally.
1: Is it really the clients that are making the distinctions here or is there some sort of, you know, policy yeah. or regulatory guidance?
2: No, Well, the first thing I'll say is no two FAMA um, setups are the same, meaning that each customer is going to define the criteria that are critical to them in managing and building a workforce on their terms. So yes, they're the ones that define the criteria that they want to screen for. Now, there are certain regulatory guidelines. Um, You can't, for example, look at things like a person's class, whether they're disabled, their gender, their ethnicity, their religion, et cetera. Um, there's a little bit gray area around politics, but most, you know, companies that are being proactive and compliant, aren't looking at political affiliation as whether or not that's something that, you know, especially in the state of California, but other states as well, most companies, and we don't even enable in our software, the ability to look at things like political affiliation. We also don't look at things like alcohol. We don't look at things like profanity in how we flag, you know, our, our reports, because we've made the determination internally that that creates more harm than good and more questions than answers because profanity is something that I won't use on this podcast, but do I use it during the week with, with our employees when I'm frustrated? Of course, you know, that comes up from time to time. Do we have happy hour at our company? Of course. Right. Do we on zoom all day? So we want a beer at five o'clock in 35 minutes. Sure. Like why not? Right. So there are certain things that from a regulatory standpoint, and then from a, who are we at FAMA and what is the sort of, you know, thing that we want to enable for employers and not, um, you know, that was really driven by our clients. You know, they were really the ones that said, Hey, we don't look at alcohol and profanity. We don't want to flag for it. Um, But you know, ultimately they'll determine within our parameters and criteria what they want to take a look at.
0: That's very helpful to understand uh, what the parameters that you use. Uh, There's a guy named Simon Sinek who talks about his why. If you don't you know, talk about that, hear that TED Talk?
2: We have the golden circle as like the first thing um, when we onboard uh, uh, certain teams at our company. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm quite familiar with Simon and uh, the revelatory, I would say, uh, TED Talk that he did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if you had to say what your why is, why is this important to you? Why does this matter to you personally, Ben?
2: You know, for me, uh, a lot of people will look at my background, uh, which, you know, I appreciate you, you know, opening that up. Um, you know, my background is enterprise software. I've been helping big companies solve tough problems with cloud-based technology for better part, a little bit more than a decade now. And, you know, I didn't really have the HR talent acquisition experience that many folks who start an HR tech company tend to have. I had actually experienced the pain that we are solving for via our software. I hired a guy who looked great on paper, Resume checked out. He was referred by our board like social interview. Everyone likes this guy We went through a ton of job wrecks, you know trying to find this one final exec and anyone that's hired a VP of sales knows how hard it is to find a good leader for a growing software company. Um And it turned out six months into the job that this guy ended up uh, Doing something really bad to, to one of our employees assaulting this employee in the company. Um, And, you know, it was a horrible experience for her, horrible experience for the business, um, just created so much negative energy and, and pain in so many different ways. And we saw in the guy's social media after the fact, all of this pejorative and misogynistic content about women that had we seen it, we never would have brought the guy on board. It would have been like a hard stop, like, oh, obviously, we we won't even consider this job, uh, this guy for this job. But unfortunately, we did, we missed that. Um, And that's really my why, um, is that I found a number of people um, to invest, to work, to partner, to ideate, to create, who wanted to create a future and a workforce free from that sort of thing. Um, It doesn't have to be like that. If you can discover it and that risk is out there and we can help businesses uncover it in a way that respects a person's privacy, that doesn't dig into you know, the, the sorts of things that we talked about from a 1984 Orwellian standpoint, um, that's something that we call the, the family, uh, can all get behind. Um, and that's really why, uh, I do it. Michael.
1: Well, it's really important work you're doing, Ben. We thank you for it because we know that people don't act like their normal selves during an interview, right? There's <laughs> nice to put on a facade. And once you make the hiring decision, uh, it's really tough to try and, uh, correct it so to speak
2: yeah thank you i mean a cr- huge credit goes to you know our entire team i'm just the guy on the podcast so that's it our, our team's doing all the work i'm just here getting the getting the magic on your podcast so.
1: <laughs> you're, you're 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 steering the ship and which is the most important thing so yeah, I, I mean it's, and it's a tricky thing because we've been talking about the different people and kind of navigating the waters here regulatory and discriminatory and are you being discriminatory to impact by doing some of these things these are tough tough decisions i mean how how do your clients figure out what are the right things to consider what are the right flags to look at
2: yeah you know it's some companies already have a, a pretty clear program and a pretty clear like set of guidelines they've been doing this manually before they have a team of associates or analysts who are literally coming through people's social media and looking for you know control f on their keyboard and certain types of factors and keywords and whatnot um, but most companies we can either offer um, sort of industry proxy where we can say like hey we'll anonymize and aggregate data from across our network segmented by vertical and allow you to see what other companies that are peers to you. We have uh, about 650 clients now in 18 different countries, cutting across a pretty wide range of mostly regulated industry. And it's mostly companies of about a thousand people or more who sign up to use our software. And um, so we're able to offer benchmarks for them. You know, that's typically how we, we get them started. But ultimately, you know, it's a cross-functional team of HR, talent acquisition, employee relations and legal that are all going to come together and say, where do we draw the line? Like, where do we decide that this isn't appropriate for our business, right? And if I'm a big technology business or if I'm a big healthcare organization, I might have a night and day difference in terms of the types of things I screen for. Mostly everyone looks at things like intolerance threats and harassment. Mostly everyone looks at things uh, you know, like sexism, but not everyone looks at illegal drug use. Not everyone looks at criminal behavior online. Others, you know, will take a much more limited aperture in what they screen for. Or others will will break it out a little bit wider. But they'll use either industry benchmarks from us or their own internal policies that they have around ethics and diversity and inclusion and generally, you know, their their internal cultural guidelines to build you know a solution like ours. But for or build their own implementation of a solution like ours. But for the most part, you know, companies are formalizing this for the first time. So a lot of what we have to do is, is educate and teach beyond just like, hey, here's a login, like go log in and do your thing. We actually have to do a lot of education and some professional services to help companies uh, really sort of see their own screening truth, if
0: you will. A big part of the show is about putting positivity out there. So let's imagine it's five years from now. Even ten years from now, how do you see that your product, what you're offering, what does the world look like? How is it better, because of what you? Yeah,
2: do? I think you know quite simply, there are very few ways for us as as people to intervene at the group level and to create change that I believe all of us are seeking and all of us are demanding um, around things like racial justice, around things like reducing inequality, around things like Creating a workforce that looks like our country um, or that looks like the world that we live in, right? So, for us, what I would like to see in five or, or 10 years are workplaces that reflect the very best and the ideals of what their companies want them to be, workplaces that are free from inequality as best as we can. I know that's buried, bias is implicit, it's buried within all of us, but to be able to reduce the most glaring examples of things like intolerance and hate speech in the workplace to ensure that people feel safe and welcome in the companies that they operate in. Um, And that's really what I would like to see in five to 10 years is to be able to create technology and solutions that allows a business to build a workforce on their terms and frankly live the life that they want to live. So that would be my five to 10 year vision. Although I'll tell my VCs and everyone's gonna be paying us a billion dollars to do everything that we're doing and,
1: well, that's and investments. 10,000 yeah, extra good. term, nothing to worry about VCs. You get yeah, covered. <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. So. Well, well, Ben, that that's fantastic and you're doing really important work for, for diversity and inclusion. How do people learn more about FAMA? How do they learn about you? What's going on with the company? What's the best way to stay in touch?
2: Yeah, best way is to uh, check us out on our website, fama.io. We got links to all of our social media there. So you can check us out, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all that. But uh, yeah, check us out on the website, fama.io. Bunch more information about what we do, hot button topics, press, et cetera.
1: That's great. Awesome. I know that that a lot of people don't think about HR and talent management, but it's such a driver for our jobs, our careers, we do in the world. So thank you for sharing your story, Ben, and helping to make the world more safer at the workplace and hopefully more diverse and inclusive.
2: Thank you, Ben. You got it. Thanks a lot, gentlemen, for having me on and uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. Thank
1: you.
0: Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment.
1: If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.